Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. It was hard for me to get a credit card. Forget about a loan. I used to order COD, you know. It was very difficult in the 90s. They will not throw at you with credit cards like right now. And um, I went to the manager, and he was Hispanic, and I said, I'm sure your parents came here. They were immigrants, and somebody gave them a chance. So, of course, after half an hour, I convinced him. My charming personality, I use that all the time. And I never had a business plan written. When I started, I never thought that I would be where I am today. But I knew that I could make a difference because I knew I had a secret and I could share with women and I believed in my dream. Hey guys, welcome to Breaking Beauty, the podcast all about the best-selling beauty products and the damn good stories behind them. We're your hosts, Carlene Higgins and Jill Dunn. Hi everyone, happy new year. We wanted to kick 2019 off and loop you guys in on some really exciting news for Breaking Beauty. Yes, we are joining a network. Yay, an official pod fam. Mm-hmm. They are called Dear Media, and they are all about putting an emphasis on female hosts and voices. So we feel very privileged to be a part of that. So some of their shows include The Skinny Confidential. Yes, with Lauren Everett's Boston. Yeah, who, she, you she guys was, love that episode. They also have Work Party um, with Jacqueline Johnson from Create and Cultivate. She's amazing. And- they have have we we met at Acme, which is a really cheeky, fun dating show. Mm-hmm. That's so retrograde. Yeah, which I think a lot of people are familiar with. So we're very honored to be in this company mm-hmm. and to be part of a movement yeah. that is celebrating women's voices. Yeah, well, a lot of people know the podcast industry for the past 10 years has been very male dominated. So we're kind of like, you know what? Let's try flipping the switch. Let's try something new here. Let's have some ladies share some stories. Yeah. I think the biggest difference for our listeners or from our listeners' point of view is that you will be hearing us in your feeds every single week now. That's right. Every Wednesday, we are doubling our frequency. We are doubling down. Yeah. And, you know, most of you know that we're all about interviewing brand founders. That's not going to change. We're going to have a founder on every other week. Bringing you the damn good stories behind the best-selling beauty products. Totally. And then we're going to have our Glowdown episodes, which is where we dive into hot topics, products, tips, and trends. And we have, if we have an opportunity to chat with a really cool makeup artist or an influencer or give you the damn goods on ingredients you're really interested in, Yeah, um, separating the greats from the gimmicks. We're always trying 
new products. And, you know, we obviously look at our analytics and it seems like you guys like them 50-50. You like our founder episodes as much as our glow down episodes. So we're just going to keep doing that but yeah. more often. And we want you to connect with us on Instagram at Breaking Beauty Podcast or in our private Facebook group, which mm-hmm. is Breaking Beauty Podcast Chat Roomed. Yeah. You can search for that on Facebook and weigh in on who you want us to have on the show. Would you like what we, since we're having more episodes, like let's open the floodgates. Let's hear what you have to say about um, who else should be on the show. Who's in the stars for 2019, yeah. you guys? Well, I, if if our first guest is any indication. It's going to be fucking large. Like a blowout year, yeah. honestly. Mm-hmm. So let's, well, t- let's tell everybody. We have Anastasia Soiree in the house today. And she is the Anastasia behind Anastasia Beverly Hills. And it's her first podcast she's ever done. Yes. Wow. Kudos to you, Jill Dunn. Because <laughs> honestly, you pulled this shit together and fast. Like, thin air. That's what I love about you. This is my Instagram creeping really paying off. Yes. A hundred percent. Not even creeping so much as just being like very susceptible to the Instagram algorithm. <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe we have to thank those little crawling bots yes. that are all over your Instagram. So when they hear you talking about Anastasia, they yeah. served you up an ad. Somebody is, somebody's hearing me say, Anastasia is my number one guest. And then boom, I get an ad. <laughs> no, but what really happened was I got served an Instagram ad saying that Anastasia herself was going to be at Sephora Yorkdale. Mm-hmm. I saw it at three o'clock on Monday, mm-hmm. 3.01 PM. I was emailing her PR team in New York City, yep. who I've never met before, but I have contacted before saying we would love to have her on the show if ever the stars should align. Yeah. And by and then a flurry of emails went back and forth. By 10 p.m. that night, we had set up the time for the next day. Yeah. And boom, there we are. There we are sitting in the four seasons, clinking coffee cups <laughs> and talking about the whole backstory about how this billion dollar brand got started. Yeah. And I love how she just right away indicated or showed us exactly who she was yeah. with one gesture. Well, first of all, there's just looking at her. Okay? Yes. Because Anastasia, to meet her, she's so polished. She looks like a first lady. No joke. Yes. Like her clothing, her attire is so put together. There's a Chanel. There's the long hair, makeup on point, high heels, probably Louboutins, you know? Yeah. And total girl's girl, though. Yeah. Like very yeah, much. Very feminine. Very, very sophisticated. Absolutely. The time of day that we were, we were interviewing her was around three o'clock, I think. Mm-hmm. People were finishing up uh, their lunch. lunch just a few tables away from where our private area was. You could kind of hear them, but yeah. you couldn't really. It was just a bit of a background yeah, you could noise. Hear them a bit. Yeah. And she kind of said, you know, do you think we should go over <laughs> and just ask them to be quiet really nicely? And Jill and I are looking at each other like, we're Canadian. We don't really do that. <laughs> we're like, no, it's fine. I think it's going to be fine. And, yeah. and sure enough, within a few minutes, she's like, I'm just going to go and talk to them. Yeah. <laughs> so that was really funny because she just went over. We didn't really hear what she said. She came back. They were left smiling. They quietened down or they moved tables yeah. or whatever. And we kind of figured out everything there was to know about Anastasia in that moment. Yeah. So she's charming. She's direct. Yeah. And she, she's ballsy, man. Ballsy. Yeah. And that set the tone for, you know, our amazing interview with this amazing entrepreneur. Yeah. So we're going to hear all about her backstory growing up in communist Romania. Yes. Um, which is fascinating because I think it's unlike, you know, most of our experiences, mm-hmm. I think most of our listeners and, you know, coming to North America where she kind of reset and yes. restarted with humble beginnings there. It's the American dream. It really is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she showed us on her phone 
mm-hmm. right away when we sat down, she was like, I was just in Poland. I just got off a plane. Yeah. And she showed us what an icon she is, especially in Eastern yeah. Europe, because it was fangirls screaming right. for her like she was a Kardashian yeah. um, to them because they're so um, impressed by what she's done and what how far represents. and how far she's taken her vision and, mm-hmm. and, and the all of the financial and, you know, all of the kudos that she's gotten all around the world from just being extremely disciplined and good at mm-hmm. what she does. And so Anastasia basically built a brow empire. Yeah. You know, she opened a brow salon uh, in Beverly Hills and she trademarked what would become known as this golden ratio technique, this approach toward structuring um, and shaping brows Mm -hmm. and very quickly drew celebrity clientele. Cindy Crawford was her first Mm celebrity mm-hmm. in her chair which if you think about that timing it was the supers yeah during that time and cindy's brows were fucking famous yeah and then she had naomi campbell yeah no that's pretty incredible mm-hmm. you know because th- those things are like a commodity when you when you're a model like if you think about linda evangelista yeah, what she was absolutely. known for and it's funny because in the 90s initially you might have like associated like gwen stefani brows with these like very thin mm-hmm. brows so to make a whole empire about brows when people were plucking them and yeah. over plucking them is pretty crazy too well then they fucked them up they yeah. had to get them back they didn't <laughs> exactly. know how to draw them back in exactly so she created <laughs> stencils she created products yeah um but i think what is really uh incredible about Anastasia Beverly Hills is that they are pretty much as well known now Mm -hmm. for their other face makeup their palettes their eyeshadow palettes that sell out within seconds their contour palettes and they are almost more popular now for that than Mm -hmm. the brow product so how do you take that when you grow this very niche centric brand and blow it up into something else that now other competitors have to fight to try to beat. I'm it's sure there's brands out there right this second trying to figure out her formula for success. Oh, yeah. oh, How yeah. did she do that? Well, they better be tuning into yeah. this episode because she <laughs> fucking drops a lot of knowledge. Her company is 20 years old now, 300 employees, 485 products sold in more than 2,000 stores, and they just got huge backing this year. Yeah. Right? And as a result, Anastasia will now be expanding further into Europe and Asia. So global domination. Totally. Happening right now. And, um, but why don't we talk about the icon? Yeah. The bestseller. Yeah. So that's... You've been trying it. That's um, my favorite is the uh, Dip Brow. Mm-hmm. This is the Dip Brow Pomade. There's 10 different shades of it. I am Ash Brown. Okay. I think it's like 23 bucks in yes, Canada. Yes, in Canada. And it's $18, I believe, in the US. And let me tell you, a little goes a long way. It's a mm-hmm. tiny pot that fits in the palm of your hand. You could probably have this for like six months to a year, I swear, and not yeah. use all of it. Yeah. Worth every penny. It's such high quality. Mm-hmm. It is amazing. It's waterproof. Mm-hmm. Why it's so iconic. It's waterproof, doesn't move. Yeah. Very soft and blendable to put on. Mm-hmm. Put it on, an absolute must is to put it on with a stiff angled brush. Mm-hmm. It doesn't come with it. You have to buy that separately. She has one. There's other brow brushes out there, but I really like hers. Um, and you dip it into the pot. You um, put a little on the back of your hand to sort of warm up the product. And then you apply in soft strokes. And then there's a spoolie at the other end of the brush. Mm-hmm. And you want to brush that through. So it just makes mm-hmm. the color look all blended and perfect. And and if I could just interject yes. for one second, if you want to know the technique there's a ton of tutorials mm-hmm. on the Anastasia mm-hmm. website also on Instagram it's all about the golden ratio technique that's right and we're going to hear more and more about her tips later in the episode and also she tells us what she thinks of our brows <laughs> 
are you guys nervous for us? Uh, I, I think that that day you I forgot was, you forgot to put brow product I on. A, I had a fucking naked brow <laughs> on that day. Because it all came together so quickly. We had like yeah. no time to prepare ourselves. Almost, mm. Barely had time to get the questions together. So um, true. But uh, yeah, so I highly recommend this. This is a makeup artist fave. And mm. I think it is well worth every single penny. And speaking of value, I think you have a palette that you're going to talk yeah, about. I am obsessed with the limited edition salt palette. It came out this fall. I hope it's still going to be out by the time this episode runs because I am truly obsessed with it. Mm -hmm. It's 14 shades, $59. It's Mm -hmm. neutral and cool tones. Most of them are in sort of the brown and tawny family. Mm -hmm. There's a hot coral pink called Bloom that I've been wearing every day. I've been having so much fun blending it with all the different colors, like the this sort of tawny color, the Mm -hmm. dark brown. They've got like a rose quartz. They've got glitters in here. But the glitters, even though they look very disco ball, they go on like a beautiful shimmer. And Mm -hmm. that's one thing that I have now realized is what sets this company apart and why it is a billion dollar company is because the quality is fucking outstanding. Absolutely. The quality and the value. I mean, there's like those crazy palettes out there, the Natasha Denona palettes that are amazing also, but they're 250 bucks. Yeah. This is like such good bang for your buck. And after meeting Anastasia, I can tell you with confidence, this woman is not letting a damn thing go to market that is not doesn't have performance to back it up. Yeah. She was saying that they can be testing 40 to 60 products at any given time and they'll only bring three or four to market because that's how stringent they are. And when I say they, by the way, Anastasia's daughter is a huge part of the company. You're going to hear that about, about that as well. But you know, I'm not a professional makeup artist. I'm like an everyday mom. I do my own makeup and I can tell you I've tested a lot of palettes this year. And although I might like one or two colors, Mm -hmm. I have yet to meet one where I've liked 12 let's say of the 14 shades in the palette I've been Mm -hmm. using it every day having fun with it getting compliments blends like a fucking dream yeah lays down like a dream and the other thing that I like about it is that I'm very pale and I have a bit of redness in my skin love it Anastasia was wearing it the day we met olive skin she was loving it Mm -hmm. and she had said they had fully tested it to make sure it wasn't going to be chalky on dark skin tones so I think that in terms of a sure bet buy you have it right here yeah exactly and I just came off like a bunch of tv segments and I was using the powder contour palette Um, I had not tried that before and I thought it was a really great great quality and I love it's actually like the palette is super lightweight doesn't have a heavy bulky mirror in it so you're just getting quality no matter what you pick up from this brand and it's honestly fascinating how she's been able to just elevate and transform it from just a niche brand uh, into this industry giant yeah so her backstory is absolutely fascinating you're gonna want to grab a little jigger of vodka (laughs) sit back and enjoy here she is Anastasia Soiree My name is Anastasia Suare, and I'm the founder of Anastasia Beverly Hills. I was born in Romania from a family of immigrants, Macedonian. Uh, They emigrated there in 1939, and I grew up going to school. I was really, really into art, Mm -hmm. being uh, as well a gymnast. Um, and grew up uh, in a communist regime and the only thing that was good to do was just going to school and study and library and we didn't have too much to watch on TV. Mm-hmm. No computers, no phones, no cell phones, so you just read. 
Yeah. We lived in a big house because my my parents, my mother was like a the woman that inspired me to be who I am today. She was a spitfire. She had um, a tailor shop with my uh, my father. My mother used to make clothes for women and me being in art school, I used to design the clothes for her clients. She was the one that introduced me to the golden ratio, how the body is in a great proportion. So she will take the measurements of the body and she will say, well, the client has um, smaller shoulder than her hips. Mm. Mm-hmm. So she will measure around the shoulder and around the hips. And like, well, we need to add shoulder pads to balance her perfectly her, her body. That customer service that I learned was mm-hmm. definitely from my mother. And the school was, we had incredible teachers and you really had to study. And believe it or not, we used to go six days a week. Oh, wow. Wow. And when did you do gymnastics? I need to know after all about hours, Romanian yeah, gymnastics. I know. <laughs> after hours, yes. Yeah. We, you, you went to gymnastics or a sport or an, you played an instrument or you went to art classes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is how our childhood was. Yeah. Was there any particular thing you remember from your childhood that was maybe a bit more of a struggle or I'm sure there were some challenging times growing up during the 70s and 80s in Romania? Uh, yes. The the early years of my childhood were amazing because wasn't the communist regime wasn't that strong. Starting late 70s, I think um, Ceausescu wanted to, to pay the entire debt that the country had and he really starved the country mm. um, so we didn't have after 6 o'clock we didn't have electricity so mm. you had to do your homework at the candlelight uh, mm. and no um, heater in the winter because if you didn't have electricity you couldn't have a heater and you went basically to sleep like you went to skiing (laughs) you were dressed with pants and socks and 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 it made me really mad because uh, this was a country that was very rich they Romania was a very rich country they they had everything Mm. to sustain the population uh, but now he he wanted to pay the debt, so mm-hmm. he starved the people. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was very tragic to see how people would struggle to to be in line to have something to eat for hours. Uh, it was so unhuman, yeah. And, yeah. and I couldn't take that. That was the reason why I wanted so much to leave the country. Mm-hmm. And I did in 87, my husband was ship captain, he defected the, the ship, and I, I was able to come three years later. I couldn't mm-hmm. come immediately mm-hmm. because I wasn't allowed. Yeah. Uh, and meanwhile, in a way, he came here and he said, well, this is not that easy <laughs> like you thought. You don't speak the language and probably will be smart if you will go to beauty school because every Romanian, Russian, Polish was an esthetician in L.A. at that time. Right. And what time, what year was this? Beginning of the 90s. And so was that your first job or did you have like that a high school first. job first? 
No, I, I work with my mother yeah, because right. my father died when I was 12. And in that communist regime, to be able to, I mean, you are not able to have a, a, a business, your own business. Mm. Uh, but my mother was such a, a shrewd businesswoman that uh, was able to make clothes for all the wives of party, communist party men. Right. And, wow. and she was able to hold that business mm. just because they were all in love with her clothes. Remember in Romania, you couldn't walk in a store and buy clothes already. Everything was made to order. Wow. And um, I had to help her to, to keep the business. Uh, and I think working in fashion for me, just because uh, I feel like wasn't my decision, I didn't want to, to be in that uh, right. business right. when I came here. Right. Not that I wanted to be in beauty business, but... Yeah, uh, yeah. you kind of fell it into it, but just, good thing. There was no other, other job that I could have uh, without speaking very well the language. So obviously in the communist regime, we were, we were not allowed to, to um, uh, study or watch any movies <laughs> that they were... After the 60s. Mm -hmm. So everything will watch or read all the, the classics. Mm -hmm. yeah. Starting right. with the Greeks and, and mm -hmm. history, geography. Uh, you had to spend a lot of time mm -hmm. and was nothing else to do. Do you understand? We yeah. didn't have anything else to do. Yeah. And the only way you could, you, you could feel proud about yourself was... Uh, your status, how much you read. Wait, what a culture shock that must have been for you to come oh. to America and land it, in The LA, first six right? months, I think I cried every day. Yeah. Because, I mean, we had a beautiful home. We had everything we wanted. Mm -hmm. The reason why we left was the freedom, freedom mm. of speech. We wanted mm. to, to be significant. We wanted to do something here. And... Um, I mean, we lived in a small apartment, and yeah, I think the biggest shock that I had was because I was af away from my family. Mm. And, and definitely I wanted to go back, but the, the, the bad part was the, the, the fall of the communists was four months later, and it was such a chaos in Romania that we couldn't go there because I didn't know what it was, so we were stuck here. Mm. And I thought that at least... You know, I'm, I'm going to do something yeah. until I will go back. Yeah. And I started working as an esthetician. And after a year and a half, I wanted to rent a, a space, mm -hmm. a, a room in a salon in Beverly Hills, just to experience that dream, that American dream. That was the time when I started working on uh, developing the eyebrow technique because I realized in the 90s nobody paid attention uh, to eyebrows. Yeah. I was working with the biggest movie stars, the supermodels, and nobody paid attention to eyebrows. And I remember my art teacher that always said, if you want to change an emotion when you draw a portrait, change eyebrows. 
And then I remember that in high school, all my pictures, I looked surprised because my eyebrows was tweezed, but was tweezed wrong. And was the aha moment. I felt like once I start slowly going to the library to discover this code, the secret code, I thought, oh my God, I have to share with everybody because mm -hmm. uh, this is so major. This yeah. is important. Can you explain it to us, the golden the ratio golden ra technique? So the human eye is encoded to recognize the proportion, balance and proportion of the face. Of course, a very small number of people have the perfect proportion with the face because the face from the hairline to the eyebrow base of the nose to the chin has three zones. So those mm -hmm. should be three equal zones. So by uh, shaping the tweezing too much, let's say, you create zone number two too big mm. and zone number one too small. Right. So you lose that proportion. Right. And by going too high, you will look surprised. Mm -hmm. Or going too low, you could lo look sad. It's one feature on our face that changes that proportion. And of course, the way the eyebrow should uh, begin is above middle of inside of the nostril. This mm -hmm. straight line is the beginning of the eyebrow, corner of your nose, corner of your eyes. When it meets the eyebrow should be the end and tip of your nose, middle of the iris this imaginary line that meets the eyebrow should be the highest part. I, I remember you doing this on Oprah. Yes, <laughs> yes. She was lying yes, back, right? Yes. And it was like the one, two, three. It's yeah. incredible how everybody remembers that. I mean, yeah. she was incredible. Okay, Joe, let's see a split screen of my brows before and after. Oh, look at that. Wow, before and after. I created five stencils, and by taking one by one, you will be able to establish what is your perfect arch. Mm -hmm. Who were some of the first clients? Oh, my God. Michelle Pfeiffer, Faye Dunaway, Jennifer Lopez, yeah. Sharon Stone, uh, Penelope Cruz. I mean, yeah. who Everybody. Was Everybody. That's amazing. Everybody. And when you opened your brow studio in 1997? Seven. Seven. Right? Yes. Um, that was really new at the time, right? Because there were hair salons. Exactly. There were three major hair salons in Beverly Hills. Right. And the owner didn't want to rent me the space because he thought that doing eyebrows, I would not be able to pay the rent. Yeah. And I had to, to convince him that, hey, no, I promise you I'm going to make this street famous because I work with so many celebrity clients. And I don't think he yeah. believed me. I like, I'm not leaving this place if you I will not convince you. And I told him, like, give it to me for six months. And uh, a week later, I mean, was a line before I would open the salon. So he called me, like, what did you say you do there? Because <laughs> those women are here at 8.30 in the morning or sometimes 8 o'clock. So, yeah, was the best kept secret. Did you have a business plan? I think a lot of women that want to get into business or they have a talent and they want to turn it into a business, they're like, oh, do I get a loan? Like, it can be so overwhelming. Yes. It was hard for me to get a credit card. Forget about a loan. I used to order COD, you know. It was very difficult in the 90s. They will not throw at you with credit cards like right now. And um, I went to the manager, and he was Hispanic, and I said, I'm sure your parents came here, they were immigrants, and somebody gave them a chance. You have to give me a chance. 
So, of course, after half an hour, I convince him, my charming personality. <laughs> I use that all the time. And I never had a business plan written. When I started, I never thought that I would be where I am today. Mm-hmm. But I knew that I could make a difference mm-hmm. because I knew I had a secret and I could share with women. Mm-hmm. And I believed in my dream. Mm-hmm. And I never believed that it's going to be that big, but I believed in it. Yeah. And while all of that's happening, you're also a working mom, yeah, right? No, I was working nonstop and I felt so guilty because my daughter always used to complain that you are never home, you are obsessed with work, and you are never at my activity at school. I couldn't go because yeah. I couldn't leave my clients. And yeah. then I figured out maybe I should, in, in her vacations, I should uh, give her a part-time job. And she started working with me at the salon. And I knew that would be the bug. <laughs> yeah. Now she's still with you, right? Yes. So we want to talk a little bit about when you started your product line. Yes. That was in 2000. Is that right? Well, I started in 96. Mm-hmm. And uh, by 2000, we launched the line. Yes. Was that always a dream of yours? No, it wasn't a dream, but there were no products for eyebrows. So to finish the eyebrow after I will wax, I will mix some eyeshadow with Vaseline and aloe vera to create like a pomade. And the client will say, well, but I go home and the next morning, my eyebrow doesn't look the same. And I realized I need to make some products. It was a necessity. That's probably the most iconic product, the pomade. And so what was so groundbreaking about that product? What is so great is because it's a waterproof, it's a creamy texture. Uh, you have to apply it with brush 12 or 14 that is specifically designed for this product and allows you a few seconds to brush, to give a natural look, mm-hmm. and then dries, and it doesn't move. So it started out as a brow brand, and now it's so much more. You know, we're looking at the palettes right now. I know a lot of them sell out so quickly. What made you decide one day, we're going to do color? Not too many people know this, but when we launched in 2000, we had the full makeup line. So we had oh. eyeshadow as well. We had it for the salon, and then we launched in, two, in 20 Nordstroms with the makeup. I didn't know that we need to hire a makeup artist to sell the products, so we didn't have money mm-hmm. to pay the makeup artist. So we, we kept only eyebrow products, and we had the service there. So the esthetician was able to sell the eyebrow products after she will do the eyebrows. And because we couldn't uh, keep the makeup, we had to pull back the makeup mm-hmm. and we relaunched in 2013 mm-hmm. when we had already a presence on Instagram. And my daughter, brilliant daughter that I have, she said, Mom, let's do this on Instagram. Let's lo- start with contouring because contouring was based on the same theory, the golden ratio. The most important thing is eyebrows and the second best is to learn how to do contouring Mm -hmm. contouring existed in hollywood long before but everyday woman didn't understand the importance of contouring because this is basically again from the art classes if you think about it if you take a piece of paper and you start drawing you start shading using dark colors and light colors so the human eye well it's encoded to to see the light and dark, and you create a 3D effect. 
So with dark color to contour, you minimize certain piece of parts of the face and light color to enhance certain. And then you create the blush and you, you create the 3D effect. Because if you use only uh, foundation, your face appears flat mostly. Mm -hmm. Even if you have 3D already because your bones are in, in a 3D um, uh, plane. Structure. Yes, yeah. structure. Uh, by, by using contouring, you enhance the cheekbones. Mm -hmm. yeah. You hide, let's say, your jawline is wider and your nose is too wide. Your nose bridge is too wide. And with makeup, with contouring, you could create a thinner nose. Or your nose is long and you want to make it shorter. You could do that. This is a foundation that we were able to combine science with beauty. Mm -hmm. Because this is, human is encoded, human eye is encoded to recognize that. Mm -hmm. And we start creating products that will address exactly that, that ratio, the, the golden ratio. So basically, I think that you oh, pretty yeah. much invented influencers. <laughs> I know. Because before smartphones yes. and everything, I read and I understand I've heard you say before that you were like scouting people in a way saying, hey, they're pretty good at doing yes, what they're doing. But they could do better. They could do better. They yes. need a little production help. Correct. So what did you do? So my daughter discovered she, I mean, she's brilliant on looking and finding the best mm -hmm. because the camera on iPhone wasn't that good. Yeah. Uh, in what year 2012. was this? 2012, right. And um, she found Sony 6 had um, an application, Wi-Fi in the camera and you could immediately transfer into your phone and was the best thing ever. So we start buying, because it was kind of expensive, $1,000. We start buying to few of them and sending the camera and teaching them how to use, because you need to learn how to, to use. Because to be a good makeup artist is not enough on social media. You need to be a good uh, photographer to learn how to use light in your advantage. And now you have Facetune, but at that time you didn't. And even taking selfies, with, I mean, Kim Kardashian was, was taking selfies, but not yes, everybody not was every, of correct. your own makeup. Yes, yes. And then I went in Hong Kong and I discovered the ring light. And of course I started sharing with all the people that I knew, but will be nights where I will follow somebody and I will say, well, I, I don't know, maybe you should try going closer or don't put the entire face, go closer to the eye and tilt on one side. I mean, stuff like that. I want them to be successful and I wanted, I wanted to, to help them because they were young and mm -hmm. they, they wanted to do something. It was a path that is just started in yeah. 2012. Mm -hmm. Totally. And so in return, they started taking pictures talking, of your yes, product and the yes. looks they were creating. Correct. That's amazing. Yes. And that was, and I mean, now you have, I've read that, I mean, you obviously know this very well, uh -huh. that you have one of the top earned media values Correct. on Instagram. And yes. so what that means to our listeners is that it's just that people are sharing without being paid and they're that engaged and they love the products and the looks mm -hmm. and they feel so strongly about your brand and connected to your brand that they're happy to share. Because in my opinion, what the influencer have, they have to have the trust. They have to have the integrity mm -hmm. with their followers, exactly how we have. So when we send somebody our products, 
they need to try it and talk about it. When they say we love it, indeed, mm -hmm. their followers should say, yeah, she was right. So I noticed that you personally just joined Instagram not that long ago, or have you had it for a long time? You yourself. No, um, I just started because yes. I'm starting a blog. Oh, you are? Thank you so much for <laughs> noticing because I was private for a while. Um, I... Um, I'm starting a blog. It's called The Arch. It's on our website. Great name. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, and it's what is Anastasia outside of the Anastasia Beverly Hills? Because, of course, on our Anastasia Beverly Hills, you will see tutorial, how to use our products, and we feature a lot of people. But I have so many more interests uh, that I want to, to share on my Instagram, my life outside of, I mean, outside. I have no life outside the work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm married to my work. But uh, activities that I have and mm -hmm. interests that I have. I like fashion. I like uh, right. so many. I like to travel. And I want to share with my followers all, all this. Like I went, I just came back. Donatella Versace invited me to the show, the fashion show. Mm -hmm. And is a blog about her and uh, and the the house because in 1997 I went with uh, Naomi Campbell to the to the show in Milan. I bought myself a jacket and I went to to Italy this year with the Gianni jacket. It was an original oh, jacket, nice. <laughs> so special, yeah. beautiful. And then I went to the first year when she took over the the brand. Oh, yeah. And I was backstage with Naomi, and it was impressive because this woman um, took over her brother that yeah. was bigger than anybody in fashion, and she was able with her strength to to lead the company to be where it is today. Yeah, and, uh, it's amazing. Very it was impressive. amazing, very impressive. Yeah. So it's going to be a story about her and all about my travels. And most of the time, people that I admire, from right. chefs to um, makeup mm -hmm. artists to you yeah. name it. Because you do have access to these people, and exact. I'm sure you have wonderful experiences. Exactly. And people want to see beyond. Correct. beyond yes, right? beyond Anastasia. That was a great point because... Relatively speaking, there are so few females who are right. on the Forbes list, who are yes. CEOs and even founders of, of beauty brands. Mm -hmm. You know, they tend to get purchased and then it's not female run anymore. But by the way, you know, California, we just passed a law that in uh, uh, you need to have at least one female on the board uh, of director, which is excellent. That's uh, yes, yeah. that's huge, yeah. huge. I think women are so important. I don't know why they don't want to have more women on the board because mm -hmm. they are strong and you have a different perspective exactly. of the business. It's different the way a woman looks at the business and different the way a man is going to look at the business. And, and you should have them both. I'm not saying yeah. you should have only women or only yeah. men. It's but true. It's both perspectives. I think it's more important. power to the brand and yeah. the company. Especially when their clientele is female. Exactly. It's yeah. just like, like that story just rang so true with me when you're the guy's like his mind's blown that people actually showed up to your salon when you first yes, exactly. like, I told did, you. Yes, of course. He couldn't <laughs> yeah. understand. What's some of the best advice you've received? Of course, I'm going to go back to Oprah Winfrey that um, I'm lucky enough. I've been around her for 20 years, maybe 21 years. And by being around her and, and studying the way she 
um, thinks, the way she acts, the way she treats people. She's so smart and so kind, so respectful. I will never forget this. She got, maybe 10 years ago, the cover of Time magazine. So the photo shoot was in New York. So she calls me and she says, um, where are you? Are you by any chance in New York? I said, no, I'm, I'm in LA. What do you need? They're like, oh, I have. I'm nervous because I want to look great on the cover of the magazine and um, I haven't done my eyebrows. She was traveling, she was busy. Like, no problem, I jump on the plane and I will be there. Like, no, 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 you can't do this. No, you have, you, ha you can't, because it was Saturday, Sunday. Like, no, this is your weekend, please don't do that. So we, we were on the phone for like 15 minutes. She, I was saying, no, I'm getting on a plane right now. And she was like, no, absolutely not. I will not do this. Mm -hmm. So she's so considerate of people's time. When I went... When she opened the school in uh, South Africa, I was one of the 200 guests. And um, I cannot tell you, I've seen her when she turned 50 and she had the most incredible birthday party. When, um, and by the way, I was invited to the luncheon, 50 of her best friend. And I thought, oh my God, <laughs> I am <laughs> Oprah's <laughs> friend yeah yeah i mean incredible Dream. but um being there with her when in was in an auditorium i i've seen her in very important moments mm -hmm. of her life when she launched the o magazine when right. networks and i have never seen her more happy yeah. when she opened that school giving yeah. back was mm -hmm what she's meant to, I yeah. mean, and just being around her, I feel like if Oprah is like this, maybe I should be a tenth of her. Yeah. I wish she would run for president. Uh, I really do. Trust me, I, I <laughs> tell her all the time. Yeah. But. Um, but speaking of amazing women, and I couldn't help but notice, but when Kim Kardashian posted on her Instagram story a couple weeks ago, <laughs> she was going to your party and yeah. she was wearing vintage Jeremy Scott yes. money. She called it her money fit. <laughs> I know. And, you know. and her quote was, what do you do when your friend sells her company for a couple billion, you wear a full money fit and throw her a party? <laughs> so tell us about the party and what you were celebrating. Okay. In August, I did a minority partner with um, TPG, that is mm -hmm. a minority investment in my company, because I want to expand. I had to sit down with my daughter and say, hey, we need to expand. We want to be a global company. But doing that... Uh, takes a lot of operation mm -hmm. to go and expand in Asia. Uh, yes, I could do that, but um, I want to be in the office to create more products, to be hands-on on what's going on and kind of uh, conduct the business from the office. So there were articles everywhere about this transaction. Kim goes on her Insta story. <laughs> Everybody is talking. You sold the company. You're like, no, I didn't sell the company. <laughs> that was the line, perfect line for Kim. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. It was was. Well, thank very you for fun. clarifying. Yeah, and I wanted to clarify. I'm glad that you had a party anyway, and yeah. that she, oh got, my God. she had an opportunity to wear that. They outfit. were so incredible because Chris and Kim throw me that party. They they are amazing women. I mean, I know them for so many years, and I respect their work ethic and everything they do. Really, they yeah. are ni very nice people. 
and not only them, I have to say, all my celebrity clients, like Jennifer Lopez, that works so hard, not only she's talented, but she works so hard. Mm-hmm. Remember, all this celebrity that we love and admire, they work really hard, okay? Yeah. They are talented, but they work very hard. Mm-hmm. They are serious about their job. So I learn a lot being around them mm-hmm. because success doesn't come easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. comes with sacrifices, comes with a lot of work, and just uh, overnight success always takes at least 10 years, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes 20. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should ask some brow tips. Yes, because I'm okay. worried we'll This is what time. our listeners have. They're mm, like, yes. do not let yes. it go. Yeah. Okay, ask me a question. I need to ask you. Yes. The sisters twins thing with yes. brows. Yes. What does that mean? And do you subscribe to that? So um, the reason why your left eyebrow and right eyebrow are different uh, maybe because sometimes you twist them different because it's one way to hold and twist the right eyebrow. When you twist the left, you cross your face so your your hand goes up. Mm. So you will twist this much more, the left eyebrow, more than the right eyebrow. Because when you twist the right, the hand goes down. When you twist the left, the hands goes up. Mm. You cross your face. Mm-hmm. This is one thing. Second um, is the muscles that will change the shape of the eyebrows even if let's say you didn't touch your eyebrows so you have virgin eyebrows but one eyebrow is higher and the other one is lower is because of the muscles most of the time and trust me in my 28 years of doing eyebrows i i went crazy because i couldn't understand what is that probably 80 percent of people have the right eyebrow after 40 50 higher than the left eyebrow. So I thought I talked with the doctor that they were heart surgeon, maybe because the, the left side works more. That's why I like, no, it's not. Well, guess what? From an ophthalmologist, I figure out is the vision. Most of us, especially now, even younger generation have one eyebrow. When you hold your phone, you look from the right side. So this eye is going to uh, the muscle, you, you, you want to look and to see better. Mm-hmm. So it, the muscle is tighter, so it gets tighter. So this is more open and this is tight. So the, le- the right eye is more so open. So the right eye is more open and the, the left eye is it's tighter. Like squinting. It's squinting. Oh. And that's why. Okay, you're blowing my mind right now. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, insane. I went crazy because I couldn't understand. And yeah. years and years, but that's the secret. Oh my, oh my God, I'm going to be yeah. looking from the left to the <laughs> I right. Know. Yes. I know. I got to even shit out over here. <laughs> okay, and how do you find the best um, tone to shade your brows with? Is it, do you go the, cooler or what do you? The do? best way is if you have very light eyebrow, you use uh, one shade darker. If you have dark eyebrow, you use one shade lighter. Okay. But ideal colors is you use one shade lighter to, to create almost like a base. Mm-hmm. And then with pomade or another pencil that is two shades darker you create strokes of hair because if you want to have a natural eyebrows think of a natural eyebrow the hairs are darker and they create a shadow on the skin Mm -hmm. that's true that's a good point and what do you make of microblading microblading look it looks good for two weeks then changes the color but it's your choice Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. you still need to cover that up because Mm. sometimes they turns little orange little pink 
blue-black, so you still need to use products to cover that. Okay. Yeah. And one of our listeners, his name is Jason, mm-hmm. he would like to know, and by the way, you do a lot of men's brows too, yes. right? Like yes. Ryan Seacrest and all yes. tons of David celebrities. David Becca. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Jason wants to know, how do you feel about the new liquid pen brow trend? So I think he's talking about those more like ink type of, the microbladed Feathering look. Pens yeah. Or yeah. Yeah. I'm, look, uh, Jason, I think you could use anything you want mm-hmm. uh, uh, as long as you blend after you apply. Mm-hmm. And depends. If you are a man and you have some empty spots, you could use very fine uh, strokes of hair with that pen mm-hmm. as long as it looks natural yeah. and you blend. Yeah, why not? Okay. And what's your one brow tip that you want all of our listeners to know? Don't over-tweeze your eyebrows. Because they don't grow back. That's the problem. I mean, lately, you've seen the Rihanna cover and with the pencil thin. Mm -hmm. I mean, editorial looks amazing. In real life, definitely not. It's not like uh, you get a haircut and I don't like it because it's too short, but it's going to grow back in two years. Well, eyebrow doesn't. Yeah. So uh, save every single hair that you have. We have a little quickie round of rapid fire. What's the most LA thing about you? Most LA, I drive a Porsche. <laughs> uh, hold on, I drive a Porsche and has two green uh, rims and two green bands, uh, like a sport car. Oh, I love Not it. only that. Yes. Oh my gosh, we need a shot of you. Yeah. I know. I wish I would get Instagram. It. Um, what's your mm-hmm. self care secret? Oh my god, it's long. I use so much skincare and hair care that I think I have a Sephora in my bathroom. Uh, and I constantly switch because I feel like my skin gets used to. So I, I change. I have very dry skin. Okay. Mm. And uh, it's very important. I grew up with my mother that was obsessed with skincare. Mm-hmm. Me and my daughter, the same. Skincare for us is very What's important. What's your favorite, I have to ask? Oh, I use uh, SkinCeuticals mm. and I use Tatcha. I use mm. Drunken Elephant. Mm-hmm. I, I use... Garland. I, I mean, I use so much. Yeah. <laughs> what would you cook if you were hosting a dinner party? Oh, I'm a very good cook, actually. Mm. Very, very good cook. When, if I'm home, I cook and I go to Italy. They have a farmer's market there and I cook branzino, grilled branzino, vegetables. I, I cook very clean because I, I eat very clean and I like to work out. But branzino um, with the herbs inside and some slice of orange mm. and in salt. I cover in salt and I bake them or sometimes I will grill them. Um, I like salmon, grilled mm-hmm. salmon as well. And I do some uh, vegetable dishes mm-hmm. steamed or um, with olive oil, simple, and balsamic vinegar. Beautiful. Um, who's the person that still makes you starstruck, like if you see them at the Grove or something? I mean, I was starstruck when I went to the White House and I met uh, the president. I thought that was incredible. I what mean, was this that Romanian for? woman. I came 25 years ago from Romania, and I am under the seal of United States at the White House. I thought... This is my ultimate dream. Like, I'm yeah. done. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank so you. Much. By the way, you both, you have incredible eyebrows. Let's oh talk gosh. about it. Do we get that on yes. tape? Yes, <laughs> we did. Oh, my God. 
Thanks for tuning in. Visit BreakingBeautyPodcast.com for details on all the damn good products we talked about in today's episode. And be sure to sign up for our newsletter. That way you'll get every episode delivered right to your inbox. You won't miss a single thing. Or subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast fix. And please show us some love by rating us or reviewing us in iTunes. See you next time. Like a cherry bomb, like a cherry bomb.